Hey, beautiful human, thanks for letting us into your ears today. We are about to talk with Ben Platt. He have a lot to discuss, including Imagine his new single, his upcoming album, and his role in the Dear Evan Hansen movie, and obviously his role as Evan Hansen on Broadway. So much to talk about, I am so excited. He truly is one of the greatest performers of our generation. Please share this podcast with those you care about, subscribe, and let us know who you're listening to so we know who we should invite on the show next. At Zach Sang Show, on any form of social media. Here we go. Hello, beautiful human. I'm Zach. That is Dan. And we welcome Ben Platt. Hey, guys. Hello, hello, hello. What's up? Today's a big day. I saw your tweet this morning. You have an album on the way, but you... Today's a monumental day because you kind of, I guess, tied up loose ends, yeah? Yes, we... Well, we just... The album's been in process for a long time. I finished writing it, like, in the fall and um, wrote most of it at the beginning of the pandemic. And so, as you know... just takes forever to get it mixed and uh, everyone's to sign off on the credits and pick the cover and all this crap but today is the first day where all of those kind of major decisions are finished and so um i'm very excited that that's the case and before the end of the summer it'll be out in the world which i'm really really excited for and one of those things is a title do you, can you only name a body of work after it's done or do you find the name midway through it it varies for me. I think both of my albums, it, it ended up coming at the end. I think I have an idea in my head of what it might be called while I'm in process because certain things about it are very inspiring to me or there's a song that's really st- sticking in my mind. But then when you kind of step back and listen to it as a whole piece, um, your mind has almost always changed, or at least mine is. And so I, this this title came long after the fact when we were listening to the whole record in its entirety. Um, but I'm I'm happy with where we landed. Do you set goals before you start this second era? Because truly, you know, Sing to Me Instead is one of my favorite albums of all time. I think Thank it, you. Yeah, truly, truly beautiful. And based on Imagine, I'm assuming it's going to be a different sonic sound, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I think there will be moments within it that are very friendly to people that loved the sonic world of Sing to Me Instead in the sense that there's a couple of ballads, you know, there's some guitar, some piano, um, and it's not like I've thrown all of that to the wind, but... There is a lot more tempo, and I was a lot more. I, I was a lot less shy and afraid of computers and the sounds that they make um, this time, and I opened up myself to things that were a little bit more celebratory and euphoric, and had a little more tempo, and just felt a little bit more like a catharsis, like a, a more of a, a joyful release than just um, all having them all be very internal and very kind of personally um, sad. Um, <laughs> which I think is hopefully it's a nice mix of the two. Um, but I'm just excited, you know, as I kind of grow as a person, uh, and f- I'm still figuring out, you know, for myself, what is the kind of music that I love and that makes me feel good and that I want to move to and dance to and sing to. And, um, so I think it's as, as natural of an evolution as I could sort of unselfconsciously produce. <laughs> Do you feel like you face hurdles entering into the pop space coming from theater? Absolutely. Yeah. I think only recently, and it's not even fully there yet, has, has theater, theater or musical theater become not a very, very dirty word. I mean, I think there's such a fascination with apathy in pop music and like perceived apathy and like, and like confidence through apathy and like things need to feel effortless and like, you're kind of leaning back into them and like you could take it or leave it. And and there has to be this sort of like general coolness. And I think that is just frankly, the antithesis of who I am. And I think I couldn't be that if I tried. And 
I think people are realizing that there's so many things within pop music that are just theater in disguise, like narrative and emotion and, you know, perspective of character who's singing and vernacular and all of these things. And especially in like creatives, like when you see TV performances and award performances and concerts, it's all the same kind of, you know, structuring an evening and making things exciting and highs and lows. And there's so much more related than people think. I think obviously when, when a layman hears musical theater, they think of like violins and trumpets and like, you know, a, a white woman singing in her head voice. But I think there's a lot more kind of like interconnection between the two. And I'm happy to be part of that new era where it's like Greatest Showman, Evan Hansen, La La Land, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And, and by the way, like 100% and without a doubt, People who have done Broadway in any capacity have a work ethic and a performance ethic that is unmatched. You, mm -hmm. I mean, you do eight shows a week, okay? Yeah, it's sort of the purest form of any kind of performance or, or acting or singing. It's like having to recreate the thing in its entirety every night and make it not only effective and emotional and, and um, moving, but also like sustainable for your body in like an athletic kind of physical sense, like as a singer and as a, as a like human being. So I think coming from Evan Hansen and coming from that world, now when I tour, obviously there's a lot of those same disciplines I still need, but there's such a comparative freedom in like getting to go on stage just as myself, where I'm like obviously still taking care of my instrument and all of those things and, you know, drinking water, taking supplements, but there's so much less stress of like, having to communicate any particular story or like put on another person's body or mind and just get to be fully myself. Um, it's you, sort of a great next step. Are you more vulnerable? I mean, you have to be because like there's a layer between you and everybody else when you're playing a character, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the most kind of filterless, like showing of yourself possible. But I think that that's like the part of performing in theater that I've always loved the most. And I think it's like it's so worth the payoff because there's like no boundaries which obviously makes it scarier and and you're the one curating the evening and you're not communicating anybody else's ideas or agenda it's just purely come and hear me sing and be myself which is like horrifying and scary but then also in when it's happening so gratifying and freeing and it's definitely worth the butterflies and i'm always in search of like things that are making me that make me nervous that give me butterflies because i i've been doing theater since i was nine years old so I find it rare to get like really afraid in the good way anymore. So something like touring as myself and doing my own big show gives me those feelings again in, in a great way. How does the song start for you? That's a great question. I think it depends on who I'm writing with. I think most often it depends. It, it comes as some, some sort of a concept or some sort of like perspective on something that I haven't heard before. Naturally, because I come from musical theater and I've been around musical theater writers my whole life, I think about the singer first and like who whose perspective it's from. Obviously, they're all versions of myself, but like, um, like Grow As We Go, which is one of my songs on my first album, that phrase, just as a phrase, Grow As We Go is the thing that came first. And I was in a relationship at the time um, where the person I was with expressed to me that he thought that maybe we should part ways because he needed to like figure out who he was and like go, you know, become himself and like ebb and flow and change. And he needed like space to do that. And then I started thinking about all of the, you know, all of the times that that's used as an excuse when a relationship is ending and, and why are those things mutually exclusive? Like I'd never heard a song discuss like, why can't you grow and change and become yourself with someone else there? Like, why does it have to be either like you're suffocating each other or you're broken up? Like, can't, can't we give each other room and space and so that brought that phrase grows we go into my mind and that's kind of where that came from so i think I, I get the most inspired when it can come from what is the song really about obviously there are occasions like everybody else where it comes from a hook or a chord progression that i find myself playing over and over again or some sort of melody um 
which in pop is just obviously just as valid, but I think I get the most excited when it's like some sort of um, content uh, inspiration. Yeah, from life. And by the way, like it is very true. And that song, I've listened to it. I mean, I've lost such count. <laughs> I mean, but I, I you know, it, I felt understood. Also learned a lot about relationships from that song. It, it, it's it, it's true though. Like, isn't that the part of like a relationship is growing and evolving with somebody and pushing somebody in the right directions while they push you? I mean. Absolutely. I, I think that there's a real danger in like feeling like you're only going to be able to find to to find your partner when you're done growing because we're never done growing. And I think there have been so many different stages in my life where I felt like, okay, now I'm who I am or like now I figured it out. And then fast forward two years, I'm an entirely different person. So I think like it's dependent if, if you really feel you're with the right person, it doesn't matter what stage of growth you're in, if they are really the right person, they should let you continue to find who you are and discover who you are while they're, you know, waiting for you at home and like, and vice versa. With, with the story that you're telling with Sing to Me Instead, it, mm -hmm. it different than what you're, obviously it's a different story, right? You're in a different place. Totally. There's some of the same themes in terms of like, um, you know, relationships and, you know, beginnings and endings of relationships. I think that this this one is a little bit more self-exploratory in terms of there's there are uh, more songs on this that are dependent only on experiences and feelings that I had on my own, separate from relationships, whether that's learning how to make sense of, like, feeling like reverting to a teenage mindset during the pandemic because i was living at home while also feeling like incredibly grown up and like old like making sense of like being a child and a man at the same time or like um you know there's a song that's like a little bit more about like the gay experience and what that was like growing up there's just things that i didn't i i, I the, my sort of comfort zone and sort of like default uh, which is i'm sure true of many many people most of the artists we love is to write about love and heartache and those are the things that i think are the most obvious to musicalize and i of course there's still that but i think i allowed myself to be a little bit more internally um exploratory this time and again a little bit more joyful in general and kind of come at things from a place of uh appreciation celebration whenever possible which isn't to say that there aren't some more contemplative sadder moments as well Hello, beautiful human. I gotta tell you that it's a fact that a child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's and leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly. Sadly, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke and many of these incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot that their child was in the car. Unintentionally leaving a child in a car is a tragedy that can happen to anyone. Please set yourself a reminder on your cell phone or place something you're gonna need in the backseat to help you remember that your child is still in the car. If your partner or caregiver is taking your child to daycare, check with them or the child care staff to make sure that your child was dropped off. And when you've arrived at your destination, always check to make sure that your car is empty. Heat stroke deaths are preventable when adults take proper precautions. Be safe and always look for your baby before you lock. Paid for by NHTSA. Is your voice your greatest strength? I think so. I mean, I think that's the one thing that no one can take from me and that's the one thing that i um have always worked very hard at preserving and and improving and i would say that my greatest strength is the combination of the literal voice that was put in my body before i was born mixed with how i've worked to develop it and sustain it and make it healthy and um be able to do as many things as possible as many times as possible uh, in a way that's healthy and sustainable for a long time um i, I would say so
I think you bring up something really interesting that like not many vocalists have ever brought up in the show, which is like, it's really a muscle and it takes care and to preserve it and not only to preserve it, but to grow it because you can do things like where you're at one point with your voice doesn't mean that's where you stay. I mean, there's, there's so much opportunity to grow. Absolutely. I think we're obviously there's kind of this base level of like, can you sing period? Do you have some sort of ability, some sort of small gift of any kind to grow? And then I think apart from that, the rest is you and what you do with it and how you cultivate it and nurture it and experiment with it. And yeah. Is there anything you weren't able to do vocally at the top of this album or even like, I don't know, between sing to me instead and what's about to come out this summer that you weren't able to do? Sure. I'm, it's kind of like a, you know, technical, annoying singing talk, but I think there's like a register that I've come to really enjoy singing in this particular type of music with the second album that is somewhere between like a full chest belt and like a, a head voice falsetto. That's like a little bit more of a light kind of an airier chesty um, register that I've not really experimented with before that really suits this music really well. Um, that I've just loved kind of opening up a new choice when I'm trying to interpret a song. Um, Cause usually I, my go-to is that very vibrato heavy full, you know, chest belt, which of course I still love and is still very much present, but um, it was nice to be able to temper that with something a little bit um, calmer and more straightforward. And so you, that's, that's a new development. Are you trying to evoke a new emotion from somebody? Um, I don't think I'm necessarily like my goal is to like evoke something specific. It's more just to, once the song is written, like sing it how it feels like it wants to be sung and express whatever the, the way that it feels instinctually and internally and try to make that come to the forefront the way I hear it and see it in my head. And so I think um, it's more about selfishly, how does it feel good to me? And, you know, does this, when I listen back, is that how I want to hear myself sing it um, as opposed to sort of an end result for, for someone else? What point did you realize that your voice was better than most? <laughs> That's a good question. I think that the, the first seed of it was I was I was 12, 11, 12 years old, and I did a show called Carolina Change, which was a, a national tour of a Broadway piece that Tony Kushner wrote. It's a really beautiful show. Um, and it was kind of the first like meaty role that I ever played. I, I um, played this young Jewish boy in the 60s who has like a very interesting and kind of complicated relationship with, with the, the maid that works in his house. And it was the first sort of like layered show that I'd ever done. And I really got to sing a lot and like really bite into some things that were not just like the kid song you know there was like some real beautiful music um and i think seeing the reaction to that and both in terms of like actual critical reviews and also just like my family and my parents and the other adult singers around me i think that's the first time i had the seed of like maybe there's something special here and then i would say that um i would say that evan hansen really was the thing that kind of graduated it in my mind to like you know, my voice can be its own event without even a story or without, you know, performing a character or being in a musical. I can just sing to sing. Um, and I think that was a beautiful discovery that has led to a lot of the joy that I've found since then. I think it's interesting that you say that, like, because a lot of vocalists categorize their voice as a genre in a sense, right? Like it kind of stands within its own little thing. You know, it, it's, it's bigger than one bot. Totally. And I think, you know, I I grew up singing other things and, you know, I would perform pop songs and stuff at, you know, events and do gigs and all that. But I think I always felt because I was a musical theater, like test tube baby, basically, and I had like was filled with show tunes from day one. I always felt that like at the end of the day, because it's my greatest love musical theater, I always felt that like my voice is ultimately in service of that. And so I think discovering that I can find 
even more joy using it in other ways and using it to express myself and my own perspective, my own opinion and my own, you know, style um, and how that can be even more fulfilling was like a great kind of discovery to make as a relative adult. Well, you mentioned the Dear Evan Hansen, you know, is when you also discovered the voice. That's why I felt like obviously you created that role. You're perfect for the movie. Were you Thanks. expecting people to have like the reaction of, oh, he's too old for this? Like, were you, were you prepared for that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people like to, uh, you know, <clears throat> have something to say um, that is negative, regardless of what it is. And so if my thing is something that I can't control at all, which is my age, then like, bring it on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad it's not about the performance or my voice or anything that actually matters. I think the reaction is largely from people that don't know the context of the piece. The fact that I created the role and workshopped it for three years and did all of the out of town productions and originated on Broadway and received the, you know, the accolades that I did and, and also not really understanding the fact that like, were I not to do the movie, it probably wouldn't get made. And so I think, you know, my defensive response is to want to like go onto Twitter and be like, you know, F you guys, like, you don't even know that like this wouldn't exist without me. And like, of course, you know, that's not true entirely. And I, you know, that's not my, my place to say. And it's all I have to do is let the work kind of speak for itself. And hopefully people will realize that it's sort of ingrained in me and that this is kind of, there wasn't really any question on anyone actually connected to the piece or who is actually a part of the film. There was never any kind of discussion that it wouldn't be me. Do you genuinely feel <clears throat> like Evan is a part of you? For sure. I do. I mean, I think in like a literal emotional sense, I had that emotional event happen to me eight times a week for like many years. So like just the remnants of even that experience as a human being are still there. And then I also think there are like little things on a human level that I've picked up in terms of like my own anxieties and understanding them and coming to face them and you know, my own social anxieties and my tendencies in big groups to kind of close up and shut down. And just, it made me kind of examine things that I didn't ever really examine because when you're a performer or when you're sort of a public extrovert, my, my friend likes to say, um, you don't ever question within yourself, like, well, then I, I'm outgoing and I'm, it's easy for me to be around people. And I love being around people and I feel confident and because I perform in front of hundreds. So that must mean that. And I think he helped me to accept and understand and be okay with the fact that like, I can be someone that feels really nervous and anxious around people and feels like like I sometimes clam up and also be very confident on stage and that can be the same person. Um, so yeah, he's always going to be part of me and then obviously on the sort of life scale, he just changed my whole life. Is that emotionally a burden to carry with you performing that show eight days a week, understanding the context and the story and I mean, dude, the songs are moving for people who listen. I, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine embodying it as much as you have. Yeah, it, it was, it was very difficult. It was, you know, it's so silly to talk about because obviously it was a beautiful experience and changed my life and it made all my dreams come true. And like, I wouldn't take it back for anything, but it was incredibly hard. And I had to sort of shut down. I, I really neglected, I, I was very lucky to have friends and family who I really trusted and who knew who I was and where I was coming from. But I really had to neglect most of the relationships in my life during the time I was in the show and focus pretty solely on, creating that show every day, sometimes twice a day. Um, and, um, and yeah, I think that like all of my emotional highs and lows and as a person had to kind of take a seat, uh, in order to serve Evans. And so there was a period after I finally left the show where I had to kind of get back in touch with myself and my own feelings and remove them from Evans and remember that, you know, I'm my own person. And so to reenter that for the film was very difficult and a, and a little bit 
um, scary, but uh, hopefully worth it for the final product. Well, because that is a process to come out of a character that you 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 were. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do, and re-entering it is obviously incredible role. I mean, as we sit here today, like musicals and movies are. Have you seen In the Heights? Yes, it's phenomenal. It's just an absolute joy from start to finish. Isn't it special that people everywhere get a chance to experience the magic that is the theater? It's amazing. I mean, it's it's as many reservations as I had as a human being to return to that and as, as afraid as I was to get back into that swing after I had so firmly let it go. Just the idea of how many young people were going to get to see the story within one week or one weekend that way surpasses the amount that we'll ever get to sit in a theater and watch it. For me, that was enough. It's just like the idea that we reach that echelon of musical that people have decided is important enough and moving enough that we want to see it on that big of a scale is like, it's very lucky and it doesn't come around very often. So yep. I'm, I'm very happy to be part of one. It gives me goosebumps, it makes my eyes water because it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's a story that needs to be consumed and I think people will become better because of it. And like the power of truly the power of musical theater is like boundless. boundless Agreed. Boundless. Like, is there Oscar hopes in your head? I, I never know what to say because like how do you not think about that because it's you know everyone is always, the first question I really appreciate that this wasn't your first question but often the first question I get is like you've got an E and a G and a T going for the O and I'm like I guess like <laughs> am I supposed to um, so that would be great but again that is not why I did it or why we're making it or what the goal is that would just be like a beautiful cherry on top the goal is for as many young people that need to be seen by it see it and, and by the way like that is truly the most special thing like the fact that there there could be possibly two musicals in in any category at the oscars it's and, awesome yeah oh i hit my mic very excited. Three, three even we get west side story this year too that's right oh my gosh can i ask a question what's it like turning a stage show into a movie is that difficult or is that kind of easy um both there was it was like a a challenge to sort of like listen to the instincts i still had and like remember what i did and not change something that's not broken and not like try to make things different just to make them different but also attack this as a new thing and a new piece the medium is just entirely different and it's smaller and it's closer to the ground and it's more spontaneous and more naturalistic and there's things you can get away with on stage that you can't on film and vice versa so it was like a really fun kind of puzzle in my mind of like what things do i keep with me and do i maintain physically emotionally interpretation wise vocally and what things need to change for the for the film um it was really fun as someone who loves to you know, talk about film musical adaptations and watch musicals and then watch films and think about how they were transferred and how like I like to get geek out about that like as a patron. It was really fun to be in the in the process. Have you seen a final cut of the movie yet or any cut? I have seen no cut. I'm seeing it on Friday with my boyfriend for the first time. We're getting a little screening of it. Um and I'm incredibly apprehensive and nervous and I I'm sure I will have a million things about myself that I wish were different, but I'm gonna try to zoom out and just enjoy it as as a piece. And this album, now that it's mixed and it's, you know, the songs, how, how many songs didn't make it on the album that were close to being finished though? A lot. I think that's a, a similar thing with the title is like, you think you know what it's going to be. And then like a month later, it's entirely different. I think there's like at least four or five songs that are entirely done that didn't make it on that I will keep in the, you know, in the ether for another day. But I, I always feel very heartened when I get to the end of a process and there's stuff that didn't make it that I actually still love because it shows that's like we're not just going with the you know 10 12 tracks that we got because that's what we have we're going with like the best cream of the crop like the ones we can't imagine losing um 
and I, I I love all of the songs on the album. I really do. I saw on Reddit, I believe, that you have a favorite song on the new album called Leave My Mind. Yes. Why is that one your favorite? Two reasons. One is that I'm obsessed with this band called Muna, um, who are these three incredibly cool girls who have this album called um, Muna Saves the World that's like one of my favorite albums of all time. And it's just this great kind of indie pop sound that's like really specific and special. And um, something about Leave My Mind gives me like a similar feeling, which is just so exciting to me because I love them so much and uh, I love the way their music makes me feel. So the fact that it made me feel a similar way excites me. I also think it's just like vernacular wise, a little bit different than what I've done in the past in terms of the the content and the thoughts I'm expressing and kind of the perspective of of the singer. Um, it's like a little less vulnerable than I usually am um, and a little bit more confident and a little more kind of aggressive, which I really enjoy. Um, and I just love to walk down the street and listen to it, which is always the, gre the greatest test for me is like, what do I actually want to go back and play again? How do you channel that confidence? Do you do anything in particular or is it just, you know, somewhere within you that you got to tap in? It's, it's tough, especially post pandemic. I know a lot of people must be feeling this too, but I feel like so much of my confidence is just shot and gone because I've been inside and I'm like coming out of this cave being like, do anyone still want to hear what I have to say? But, um, I think for me, it's about like just letting myself get lost in what I'm singing or doing or creating and not, you know, as much as I want to connect with an audience, it, it has to come from me first. And so I think if I get too lost in what are people's perceptions going to be or what are people thinking? Are they having fun? Are they dancing? Are they singing? Do they like it? Are they singing the melody? Are they showing their friends? I think I have to kind of quiet that when the thing itself is actually happening and just like pretend I'm alone in my bedroom just dancing and singing. I'm excited for this album. Thanks. We know only what you've chosen to share. I mean, sure. all of your live performances of Imagine have been absolutely incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. By the way, like, is it just like, a, it's very, it, I, I want to say like, it's easy when you show up because like, there's probably no backing <laughs> tracks really. Like, you, like, dude, theater people are just on a different level. Man. You really are. We're just used to having to produce. It's definitely a really hard, like, Imagine is, 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 a, is a pop song in the sense that like, a lot of pop songs are not really like meant to be live songs. So and when I was learning how to sing that live, it was very challenging because there's not really room for like breath and the, it's sort of nonstop and it's very high. And it was just, it was one of the first songs where I felt like I really had to figure out like, what's my like live version of that. But once I found my groove, it's, it's, it's been pretty good. Well, you <laughs> mentioned something interesting. You said a lot of pop songs aren't meant to be sung live. Mm -hmm. it, I didn't know that. I, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of songs are written in terms of their structure and like, the, their feeling and their sound, they're not written or conceived or sung with the end goal of doing them live in mind. I think everything can be interpreted live and, and produced to be sung live. I think when you go see like, you know, I don't even know, like a, a very kind of right down the middle pop artist live, it still sounds like the track and it's still producible, but it's not, it, it, it exists first and foremost to be listened to and streamed and, and heard on the album. And then I think secondarily, they figure out a way to do it live. Whereas in terms of my first album and where I've come from in the theater, my instinct is always, you know, what's this going to sound like in the room? How do I sing this really in person to people? And then how do we make it a nice record? And so what was fun about this next album um, was getting to like let go of that just a little bit and lean a little bit further into the pop mind space of like, let's just make music that sounds great and that I love. And then I will figure out how to sing it. Yeah, you'll arrange it for a live performance afterwards. Exactly. And the truth is like, yeah, there's a bunch of layering when you listen to records that obviously there's not numerous bends on stage. Like, <laughs> you know, like unless you have like a looping machine or whatever, which there's a thousand ways to bring like 
a, a record like that to life. Totally. That's of your ability. But I also think a joy, in my opinion, is, you know, getting two different versions of a song that you love, which is like one is the, the, the record, which is the, re the release record. And then, you know, a live performance version of it that the vocals are different. The arrangement could slightly be different. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Ariana's live album comes to mind that she just put out. Um, because I love Ariana. It's, I just love when someone becomes a huge superstar that actually can sing in, like in an insane way. And I think like, I love listening to her record. And then I also just love hearing her bite into the vocal and like sing of it. And I think both. But isn't that, didn't Ariana also kind of start on Broadway too? Yes. Yeah. She was in 13, the musical back in the day. And she's like a Jason Robert Brown girl. So I, I, we, we share that. I want to know the name of this album. I how many songs is it? Twelve, eight, fourteen, sixteen. There are thirteen tracks. I'll say that. Okay. Healthy, lucky number thirteen. Mm. We like this. And you, uh, is it? Who's on it working? Is it the same people? There was another guy named Ben who worked with you on "Sing to Me Instead" on a lot of the records. Yes, but uh, one of the songs is is Ben Abraham uh, is is one of the writers on my most frequent collaborator on this one is his name's Michael Pollock, yes. really brilliant Michael. brilliant songwriter and and producer. He he was on like three or four records of the on the first album, and he's now the EP on this whole piece. So he's touched every song, even the ones he didn't actively co-write, which are most of them. Um, so he's really my my primary collaborator on this one. What did he bring to this? What what vision do you both share that made him the right guy to EP it? Great question. I think it's twofold. One is that he's also gay and in a similar age to me. And so I think we come from a very similar walk of life and we have a similar outlook on the world and the things we want to sing about are similar. And then secondly, he's very musical and he's like a virtuoso on the piano and his, his theory is out of control. And then he funnels all that through a really pop mind. And so he's great at maintaining like the texture and the sort of like musicality and vocal quality that I want and that I kind of pride myself in delivering and 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 translating that to something a little bit more accessible, a little bit more pop, a little bit more edible and um, simpler without losing the interest of it. By the way, like, isn't that like the trick, like how to have gravity while it's still being like understandable and digestible to everybody? Exactly. That's his, I would say that's his specialty. He is extraordinary. He really. certainly is. Truly one of the greatest producers of our generation. And as you are one of the greatest performers of our generation. So even the fact that you're taking time right now to talk to us, we do greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Final thoughts, Daniel, you must have something. Yeah. I don't want to keep asking about these awards, but is there one that you believe is like <laughs> harder to win than the others? Yeah. Career? I mean, usually the Tony is just because of the sheer number of opportunities is so much smaller. So the fact that we kind of checked that one off is, is really nice. Um, I don't know. My, my dream is, is some sort of, Grammy something for music of my own as 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 grateful as I was to be recognized as part of the cast of Evan Hansen and as special as that will always be in my life something that I would love is to to have a similar experience with my with my own music by the way big fan of the politician there should be another season coming yeah someday yeah I think he's waiting for us all to get a bit older to do the third uh, installment because it's about me being a presidential candidate so I think I need to be in my 30s or so well, either you're not old enough for one role, you're too, you're too <laughs> No old one's satisfied. What's going on here? <laughs> wow. Uh, by the way, the Emmy's a cool win, too. That was like a random Today Show performance, right, that you won for? Yeah, it was. It was a daytime Emmy, but I'm told that it does count. <laughs> yeah, it does. And uh, Wicked the Movie, maybe it'll come one day. Do you want to be in that? Sure, yeah. I'm like kind of too 
tall to play Bach and not really a Fiero, so I don't know where I would land. But of not course, really a Fiero, really? I don't, I don't think so. I'm not like a Harry Styles like heartbreaker guy. I think I'm a little characterier than that. But we'll see. We'll see what when it comes. Finally, I'm just gonna be happy to see it, even if I'm not in it. Never say never. Ben never say never. You really are really incredible. So I thank you so much for giving us time and energy today. Very excited for the album and thanks, guys. Yeah, imagine. Listen to it. There's a link in the description below. Yay. Hello, beautiful human. Thanks for joining our conversation with Ben Platt. I deeply appreciate it. Share this podcast with those you care about and let us know who we should talk to next at Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. Hopefully Ben will be back for his album. We appreciate you taking the time. Really, thank you, thank you. Please be safe. Hug your family if you can and don't go to jail. Have an amazing day. Talk to you soon.